Hi, welcome to Peculiar Youth Connect. Um, God bless you guys. I hope you guys have been safe and well. Um, this is part two of what we started last week on racism. And we're going to be dealing with clicks on this particular recording. Um, again, you can join us every Tuesday. The number is 866-313-5666. That's 866-313-5666. Um, my prayer for you as you listen to this is that your heart be open and that the Lord will speak to you, to your heart, and that you leave aside anything that will taint your view, but let your view be, let, let your lens be the word of God. And that's what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way. Anyway, um, God bless you as you listen, and thanks for listening again. Bye. I just want to commit this time to God in prayer and that God will bless this time and that people's hearts will be touched. So let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to the opportunity that this platform has, Lord God, to, to touch people's hearts, Lord God, Father, to not just inform and to educate, but Lord God, to open our hearts to what is to what your heart really is on these matters. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that everyone that is going to speak. I pray that you grant them wisdom and understanding that they may not speak out of their own authority. They may not speak out of their own understanding, but Lord, that you truly will speak through them. And Lord, for all those that will, that will listen to this, whether live right now or later on in a recording, Father, I pray that you give them a heart to understand. And Father, that you open their eyes to see where it is they, they may have been going wrong and that you'd guide them right to, to the right path. Lord, I pray that our hearts be open to your word. And I pray, Lord God, that you touch our hearts, Lord God, in Jesus' name. I thank you and we, we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So um, I'd like to thank you again, once again, for everyone that is here. Um, I'd like to thank all the panelists that are here. Um, Reverend Dr. Bridget Clay, who is the um, senior pastor and founder of Victoria's Chamber of Saints National Church, also known as Home of Miracles. I'd also like to thank, uh, welcome um, Pastor, Assistant Pastor Catherine Edihere, who is in charge of the singles ministry at um, Home of Miracles. I also like to th- um, welcome Assistant Pastor Deary Osa, who is in charge of the Peculiar Jesus Generation, also at Home of Miracles. And I also like to welcome my sister, Sister Natalie Diaz, who is um, part of the Peculiar Youth Connect team. So um, last week we were discussing on racism, and this week, without further ado, I think we're just going to get right into it. I know some people had, some of the panelists actually had um, questions that stemmed from um, the conversation that we had last week. So I'm going to open up with this question, and this is this is open for anyone that wants to answer. I think that's how this is going to be today. This is open for anyone that wants to answer. So this question, um, it says, is it natural to gravitate towards people you share a lot in common? And this is actually a question from Assistant Pastor Catherine. So this is Pastor Catherine's question. I'm going to throw it out to the panel and feel free to answer how, how you want to answer. It says, is it natural to gravitate towards people you share a lot in common? And I guess I can also add on to that. Is it, um, is it, is it okay to only remain with those you share, share things in common? So I'm going to repeat the question again. I'm going to open up to the, to the panel. It says, is it natural to gravitate towards people you share a lot in common? 
the floor is open for anyone who wants to answer. God bless. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Um, it is a honor again to be with the Peculiar Disconnect. And the question is, is it natural to gravitate towards um, people that you share the same things together? Um, the main theme of this conversation is racism in the church. And how do we address it as Christians uh, without being bitter? We have a lot of things that we discussed last week. This is a continuation. So before I go to um, answering that question, or at least contributing my own part to that question, um, to answering that question, I would want to go back again to what racism is and what racism is not. Racism is, of course, a belief system. We looked at that last week. It is a belief system. And what um, are we talking about? Racism is the belief of one person or a group of people believing that they are superior to another person, a group of people, or a race, a group of race, because of how they look, what they say, where they are, and all of those things. So it is a philosophy. It's a guiding philosophy. It is something that is in it. It is something that is deeply rooted in how the person thinks. So Racism is the belief that all members of a race possess characteristics or abilities specific to that race as to distinguishing that race as superior or inferior. Racism is hatred of someone or a group of people because of who they are by nature, either by their color skin or their native language, their place of birth, and so on and so forth. So that we establish as what racism is, but I also um, emphasize that racism is not criticizing someone from another race or unacceptable behavior. It's not bad behavior of someone from another race to another from another race. So it does not really matter um, whether somebody who is from a different race criticizes another person from another race. You know, it is, that is not what racism is about. Or racism is not when somebody from another race did something wrong to another person from another race. That's not racism. We have to look at what led to that behavior. Is this something that they are rooted in the fact that, oh, you know, you as somebody from another race is not worthy or is not qualified because of how you look, because of how you do, because of who you are. And then we have to establish that before we can say somebody is racist. So 
Now, coming back to the question that is this natural for people who share things in common to gravitate towards another, I'm going to say definitely yes. I mean, it's natural for people that share the same thing in common to gravitate together. Now, when you're talking of sharing things in common, I'm not talking about just how um, someone looks like their skin color, for example. Um, the way they think, their temperament, how they are. I mean, we just have to be, we have to be um, honest as we look at this issue of residence. Because, I mean, it is, language is a binding factor. Looks is a binding factor. Philosophy is a, is a, is a guiding principle. I mean, people gravitate to, to, the, to the people that they have a lot in common. It's, it's, it's normal. It's natural, you know. Now, it becomes um, a problem if someone now say, oh, I can't do with that person because it's from this place. I can't do with that person because it looks like that. I can't do with this person because it speaks that language. Oh, people of this language, they are, they are beneath me. Oh, people that look like this, they are beneath me. Oh, people that are like this, they are beneath me. You know? I mean, like even in a country where there are a lot of tribes, a lot of people, tribalism is not that you, you, you love where you are from. No, it's tribalism when you now say, oh, a tribe is superior to this tribe because this tribe is beneath me. Oh, we can't marry from this tribe because they are beneath us. Then that becomes tribalism. But it is normal for you to still love where you are from, love who you are, and gravitate towards those people. So, what is the guiding philosophy that makes people to do what they do? That is what we should address here. Is this person doing this because he believes? This person is under me, beneath me, can't talk to this person, I can't be close to this person, or maybe because they have differences that they need to um, to to work on, to improve, so that they can be able to come together and have a better relationship. So we should not term everything as, as, as racism. So it is normal for people to gravitate towards one another, but it becomes a problem now when somebody is not ready to interact with another person because of who they are, how they look, what they do, and stuff like that. Now, let me become more practical as a pastor. Um, I know that, let me use the church I pastor as an example, for example. Um, I try as much as possible to go out of my way to relate with people, make them feel good, make them feel nice, and all of those things. But I'm talking from a natural perspective right now. Everybody's re reaction is not the same. Everybody's reaction is not the same. There are people, by nature, they are quiet. It's not that they are bad. They are not the butterfly jumpy people. There are some people that they are more introvertish. 
there are some people that they don't just want to either be bothered or they're not like that, that that's not who they are so if now i as a pastor now want to discount i say oh why this person is not so receptive towards me is because I'm not from that person's race. I am going to be misjudging that person because that is not true. It may just be naturally that is who they are, you know. So uh, uh, there are a couple of things that we just have to understand that our individual differences does not mean that we do not like some people. For example, there are people that feel more comfortable with a certain set of people, not because they hate another set of people, but because maybe they share um, things like background, they have known one another for some time, they have things to talk about, or maybe they live in a closer proximity. Or maybe they work together, or maybe they have, you know, commonness in business, or they have commonness in language, or maybe they have commonness in some of these things, and they have enough things to talk together about. That does not mean that person who does not want to participate in their conversation is racist. It may just be that the person has nothing to share. It has nothing in common with that. So if you look at our church, for example, that you know, even though we have different people from different nationalities, you see that there are some people that gravitate more towards each other. And we have to consciously now go beyond gravitating towards people that we are comfortable with to making other people comfortable. We have to. It is something that we now have to go out of our way to say, you know what? That is my sister. That is my brother. She may be different. I may be different. He may be different. The way I greet this person and how this person responds and the way I greet that person and how the person responds does not make any one of them hate me or dislike me or not wanting to be part of me. It may just be who they are. So as some people just say, mm, okay, ah, okay, hi, mm, that's who they are. And there are some that go, hey, how are you? God bless you. They all do this. It's not everybody that is like that. Anyway, um, I don't want to be the only one talking. All I just want to say is, is it natural to gravitate towards people that we share um, things in common, but we should go out of our way to make other people around us comfortable and also embrace each other's individualities and differences. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you very much. Does anyone have any contribution to that too? To uh, that? Yes. Um, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to say that um, you said the the question was um, 
is it natural? And I agree with Pastor that it is natural to gravitate to people that you have um, common backgrounds, characteristics with. Uh, but I also want us to know that as human beings, we're actually more alike than we know. Sometimes I think the, the, prop, the danger is that you remain in the people you think are more like you and you're actually doing a disservice to yourself. So if you understand that as Christ came to die for all of us, so we have one thing in common. We all need a savior. So I think we have to learn that even though you, are, you start off with where you're comfortable, you have to be willing to go outside your comfort zone because sometimes even going outside your comfort zone, you actually start, start seeing that you actually have something in common with somebody you wouldn't have thought of because you made the effort to even open your mouth to speak to them. So I think what unites us is even more than what separates us. So I think when you have that at the back of your mind, you will know that every single person that God leads you to speak to, and every time you go out of what is your, you think is your comfort zone, you will actually see that you have things in common with people you would not have guessed just looking from the outside. So that's what I wanted to say. So don't remain there because you might be missing out on even greater relationships by remaining in what you think is the bubble based on the outside characteristics. Amen. Does anybody have any anything to add to add to that? Okay. Um, yeah, I would. I would. I would. Yes. I would like to. I would like to just respond because we are looking at a very important subject that is mm-hmm. um, that is very practical, very very practical, and I want us to look at the practicality of this thing. Now, let's look at uniqueness and individuality and individualistic differences. You know, that is very important. Personally, as a pastor one time, you know, I called, I mean, I, 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 I used to call people and all of those things. So I called this person several times, and I was very, very um, concerned. So I saw, and I said, oh, my God, I've been trying to reach you. I just, you know, think you're fine. You know, I just... Believe you're okay. It's, oh, Pastor, don't worry. I see your call all the time. You know, I'm just so busy. Oh, Pastor, you know your job for you to call us. You know, at least you are the pastor, you're the one that called us. Oh, my God. You know, that person happened not to be from my country, you know. And um, it really it really hit me, and I just fell back. I, I have so, in fact, I was, I was, I was so I was I was so discouraged because you know I handled so many things I worked so so hard and I have to combine a lot of things even tonight I almost couldn't be able to make it because I'm preparing for exam I've been extremely busy you know I've been preparing for state exams and stuff like that and it's a lot that I am handling and even going out to reach out sometimes it's a lot of effort for me to even reach out. Sometimes I want to reach out with like I'm combat with a lot of things that are very important that I need to move, you know, as far as ministry and so many other things concerned. And it is possible for me to have thought that this person, you know, just said that to me, um, to despise me. Or maybe because this person is not from where I came from. But I didn't look at it like that. I look at her like, you know what, that's who she is, she doesn't know better than that. You know, okay, now let me look at people, for example, um, let's look at the issue of maybe birthday, for example. And 
as a human being, I forget sometimes. I don't even remember the post office. Sometimes I remember, but I try as much as possible to try and do my best. But I, I fall. I, I mean, I, I'm not perfect. We are none of us is perfect. You know, um, a few days ago, um, I'm, I'm just going to use um, Pastor Jimmy. Allow me to please use your name. Go right you ahead. Know, <laughs> you know, and called me and said, you know, Pastor, here is my nephew. She's 21 today. This is this is a a kid that has grown to be an adult that I should, I mean, be very excited and be not even forget his birthday. I love him so much. It's like a son to me. I mean, enough to be like a grandson to me. I love him so much. I saw him grow. But it took my mind. I forgot. And when I said, pray for him, oh Lord, I felt so happy. I said, oh, thank you. I really do appreciate it. Because God knows I honestly and sincerely forgot. You understand? So we, we're not from the same tribe, even though it's, we're the same country. Now, why did I bring that up? I want to bring that up because there was another instance that I didn't take permission from this person, so I'm not going to mention that name. But some of you would realize that there was a child during a Sunday service that I mentioned that name and I asked that we should pray for her. And that happened to be from my tribe. How did that happen? The mother of this child called me like three times that Sunday morning. And he said, Mommy, you know, this your child is 13 today. You know, and I didn't even get the phone because I was praying and preparing. I, but I was so scared because I saw this missed call from her, which is very unusual, missing that, that, that type of call in the morning on Sunday. He said, um, then text me again. So I called her back. I said, what's going on? She said, please, it is your daughter's birthday. I want you to pray for her. I know that on Sunday, we pray for children and people that birthdays on Sunday. I know we don't um, meet now because of this coronavirus thing, but I still don't want her to miss her prayer. I said, please, can you please pray for her? And this and that. So I pray for her. And when it was the virtual service time, I now call it out because usually anybody whose birthday falls on a Sunday in our church, we pray specially for them because not every birthday falls on a Sunday, and we believe that's special. So I call it, I pray over her, and all of those things. And honestly, it is the mother who calls. I would have forgotten completely. And maybe she would have felt that, oh, pastor did not pray for my child because maybe she is something or maybe she's something. She could have taken it from in a different way. But she didn't. She called me. She said, please, this is how I want you to respond because I know on Sunday we will not be in church. I want you to pray for this child. What am I saying? These are different um, scenarios. There might be some people that they will say, oh, Pastor did not call me because maybe, and they will begin to insinuate. 
The Bible says that we must be very careful when it comes to assumption and presumption. The Bible actually says we should pray that God should cleanse us from secret fault and from presumptuous sins because these sins are very great. So it's very, very important for us to understand that individual differences, how people react, how people respond, our fault does not necessarily constitute that we have animosity towards another person. And not everything that is done from someone that is different from you to you is racism or dislike. So we don't allow the devil to now begin to magnify things that is not of God in our midst as Christians. So as someone go out of their way to reach you, you go out of your way to reach them too. As you may be very different in your response to how they approach you, you must also be willing to accept their different response to you when you approach them. Individual differences does not constitute that someone is not being nice to another person. Please, as Christians, we must know we are one in Christ. We belong to the same family of God. It does not matter who we are naturally, where we're from, naturally, how we look, naturally, the language we speak, naturally. The Bible says there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord is the Lord over all, and he is the one abounding in riches and blessings for all who call upon him in faith. And we are children of God. We belong to God. We must let our language be the language of love. And the Bible says that love is the is 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 love overcomes multitude of sins. So please, in the name of Jesus, let us go out of our way to reach out to people, to help people, to love people, and if they react differently, don't be weary or well done. The Bible says if we are not weary or well doing, there will be a reward. So you go do what you believe is right. And if somebody is not is not um getting it now, the person is getting it later. But let us be that example of a godly Christian in a, a believer in word, in deed, in doctrine. Let everything we do reflect Jesus Christ. Let us put animosity aside. Don't let us allow the devil to fan the flame of division. The Bible says, Behold how good and how beautiful is it when brethren dwell together in unity. We are one in Christ. We are one in love. We are one in faith. We are one children of one God. And it is well with all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, that was very... Laura, and that was...
assumptions or presumptions about why we think this person is acting this way or not responding to us. So what I'm getting is that communication is key. So in leading on to that, um, far forget from the question I was going to ask. In leading on to that, I think the question that I want to pose is, is um, how do we then begin to minister to someone, let's say, the person has is coming from another church or is coming from another place. And let's say in the previous church that they were in, let's say this person has suffered discrimination or 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 because of their background, because of how they talk, because of how they look. Maybe they've been discriminated against. Maybe they've been excluded out of certain things. Maybe they've been left out of certain things. And this person has been going through that in the previous church. And let's say they now come over to your church or to your men or to your miss, how do you then begin to minister to that person the love of God, considering the person's background um, and what they've gone through? They're, I'm asking this question not just in terms of theory, but in practical sense. How do you begin to minister to someone that has gone through um, discrimination in their past, in their background? Um, so I'm going to ask this question specifically to um, Pastor Catherine, and then from there, for anyone that wants to answer on, they can add on to that, they can answer to that. So for Pastor Catherine, we'll repeat it again. If somebody has gone through discrimination in the past, maybe they're coming from one church to another church, and they, the fact they may have left their previous church because of discrimination, because they felt that they were mistreated, because they felt that they were excluded from certain things, and they now come to your church, how do you begin to minister to that person the love of God so that they may be free from that. And how do you do that in practical terms? So for, this is for Pastor Catherine. And then from there, it's open to anyone that wants to answer. God bless. Pastor Catherine on the phone. Pastor Catherine, can I miss yourself, but I don't want to miss you, sir. All right, right. Hello. 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 Yeah, there we you can hear. Uh, oh, you can hear me now. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, thank you for that question. I don't know why, um, the mic is acting out. Um. Hmm. First of all, I want to say that. As children of God, the moment we give and we surrender our lives to Christ, we have one person to look up unto. We have to look up to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Every day when we walk with Jesus, we become more like him. When we come out of the creation, what's out of where we were and stepping into God's family does not mean that we are, we are changed. Our spirit is renewed, but we are like newborn babes that 
are learning new things. New babies, they will poop on themselves. They will cry when they have food and all of those things. And the older children will look up after them. That does not mean that the older child is perfect, but may know how to do other things more than a newborn babe. That does not also mean that the mother is perfect. The mother might be experienced than the older brother or the older sister. That does not mean that the grandparents are perfect. The grandparents will have one or two things to learn from all the members of the family. So since we are one member, one body in Christ, we work together as a team. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us, to bind us together, to heal our wounds. Perfection is what we seek from Christ every single day. But until the perfect day, we'll continue to walk in this. However, Jesus is our perfect master. When you feel, oh, I am hurt, the best thing I tell people is for you to talk about it. Speak to your pastor. Speak to someone you are comfortable with. I always tell people, if you don't want me to talk about something, don't tell me about it. Because if you keep it, before you know it, animosity will grow from there. Speak it in love. Oh, oh, I will... I know a lot of people, for, please pardon me to say that. I know a lot of people that say to me, oh, you smile a lot. Oh, you didn't, you didn't say hi to me today. I say, you know what? Don't mind me. I'm so sorry. And sincerely, I am sorry. But if someone who does not, you know, I thank God that uh, our pastor smiles a lot. If somebody thinks, I'm going to smile like pastor all the time. The person will be misjudging me. So, what am I trying to bring out of this? Every single one of us, either you are an older Christian, or you are a you are a younger Christian, or you're not even a Christian. You're just coming into the family as a newborn babe. We have a responsibility of love towards each other. We are all work in progress. We are all striving. We are all looking upon to Jesus, who is the perfecter of our faith. We are all learning from each other. So in this family, it is not just about one person. It's not about the great-grandfather. It's not about the new Bombay. It's about all of us collectively. How do we live in this family and help each other grow in love, in unity, in blessing, in, 
in good health, we all have to cheat in something. Big sister is younger sister. Pastor congregants. Brother, father. Son, father. Every one of us. I know, uh, uh, Pastor Ederin, sorry, I'm not using you to preach. I know so many things mm-hmm. I've learned from Pastor Ederin. I know so many things that I've learned from. Uh, there are some people I've learned a lot. I've learned so many people from deep, so many people in our church that I can't believe that I've gone it, it, such a long way. I remember, please, uh, Sister, uh, Sister Natalie, permit me to use you to make an example. I remember there was a time, but Sister Natalie walks up to me and say, Pastor Kathleen, you promised you didn't call me. You did not call me. I felt so bad. And she made sure that she called me, and I returned that call. It wasn't because I love her less. It is because I am just a human being and a work in progress. As she has a responsibility to me, so is it that I have a responsibility to her. So lastly, I want to end up with this. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's our perfect master. He's the one that we'll look up onto. Secondly, all of us, young and old, we must understand that we have a responsibility towards each other being our brother's keeper. And that is my contribution on that on that question tonight. Amen. Does anybody have um, anything to add to that on the question of how do you minister to someone that has suffered discrimination or racism in the past? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, the question was, um, how do you minister to someone that suffered either racism or discrimination in the past? Mm-hmm. Um, for someone to come out and say they've suffered it in the past, discrimination or racism, it means that um, if they're coming to your church for the first time and their previous church has suffered, it means that they've actually spoken about it and said, this is probably why I left this church. And based on what I spoke about last week on discrimination, discrimination is always on the outside. That means this person has actually felt the discrimination. They felt like they were being um, um, pointed out or they were being separated or they were being isolated either because of how they look or what they were wearing or, or how they were speaking or whether it was the accent. They actually felt the pain that was inflicted as a result of the discrimination. Now they're coming to me saying, this is why I left this church or this is how my past was. How am I ministering to them? The first thing we have to understand is that, like I think Pastor Catherine alluded to, none of us are perfect in the first place. So the first thing you have to do first, even though you're empathizing with this person that has been hurt, is that we still also have to minister to them that they still have to actually forgive the people that discriminated against them. Because Jesus Christ died for all of us. And he died in spite while we were still in sin. So at the very base, before you can even start moving on, you have to actually forgive those people who discriminated against you, those people who hurt you in hurt you based on 
outside characteristics and did not even give you a minute to even express yourself. Now, this is from me, from the person telling me what they went through. They have to release those people and believe that God is able to restore them. And I'll just add this, this um, scripture because it says you have to, um, 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 in Psalm 56 verse 8, the message version says, you've kept track of my every toss and turn through the sleepless night. Each tear entered in your ledger, each ache written in your book. And Joel 2.25 says, I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent among you. So the person has to understand that even though somebody they have been, may have been hurt by racist behavior or they've been hurt by discriminatory behavior, that God is the one that will fight their battles. God is the one that mm-hmm. takes account of the hurt. God is the one that takes account of the pain. God is the one that will take account of all those things. And God is the one that's able to fight that battle. So you release and forgive those people and let God do his work. So because we have to come to a place that racism is bad, but racism in the eyes of God, racism is sin. In the eyes of God, lying is sin. And that we're the ones that put grades on the levels of sin. So you can't say, I can forgive this one, but I can't forgive this. So we still have to forgive it. But at the same time, minister to the person that to know that God is able to heal them. God is able to restore their pain. God is able to reward them. God is able to recompense for everything that they've lost as a result of that discriminatory behavior. So that's my contribution. Amen. Amen. Does Amen. anyone have any? Amen. Yes. Go ahead, Pastor. Oh, I, I thought, um, is there another person who wants to say something before I talk? No, no, go ahead. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I would just say that we should commit everything to God who judges righteousness. You know, and we should also let the Lord also minister to us. Um, maybe we have actually misunderstood. Maybe we have misunderstood the actions of other people. We have misjudged them. The Bible says we should also be careful because, you see, for the fact that we feel something or we, um, we judge something as being discriminatory. That does not mean that that is really true. And we could be overly sensitive sometimes and we become a judge of other people because we think that, you know what, it's not something that works well with us, with our emotion, with how it looks on the outside, and we conclude it's discrimination or it's racism. Now, I will give an example of when we had the situation at my program. Um, I run um, a child care program, specifically it was during the summer camp program that I had this situation. Um, there was a child who happened to be from a particular race, and this child was um, hurting other children which is definitely not permitted in my program. Everybody in my program is important. So long you are in my program, you are my child. So long you are in my program, I have the same responsibility towards you. It does not matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how you look. You are all important. Important to God, important to me, important to all of the staff. That is the standard. That is how we treat all the children. 
So this child was very aggressive and this and um, was being very handy towards other children, beating them. And on this particular situation, um, he crushed the face of another child from another race. And that that was crushed, even though it's not from my country, it's not from whatever, it's have the same color like me. And the person that crushed this child's face, the child is from another race that does not have my color. So um, I, the, the other child whose face was bleeding, you know, was crying and it was definitely an unacceptable behavior because we have tried to speak to the mother of this child severally on his aggressive behavior towards other children. And he would say, oh, he could defend himself. They are bothering him. He can do this for them. And I said, no, he can do what he wants to do on your watch, but not in this program is a child allowed to hit another child. We have our rules and regulations. You keep your hands to yourself. You keep your feet. You keep your body parts to yourself. You do not curse. You do not hurt. You do not call bad words. You do not use inappropriate language. We we'll go over the rules and regulations every day. So this mother was not taking any of the rules and regulations we put in place, and she wanted to do her own thing with her child also. Wants to do his own thing. So after several parental engagements, I have to take a decisive action to tell her to take her child to another program where the child can get maybe a one-on-one -on -one, um, help. Because my program is not a one-on-one -on -one, um, help. My program is a group participation. So I said, maybe you need to take your child to a place where it could be a one-on-one -on -one, you know, help for your child because it's not working with him being in the group with other kids and it's hurting them. If, if, if your child that is hurt like this, what would you do? Anyway, what did she say? The next word she said to me is, you're all racist. That's what she said. Say, you're all racist. Because this child does not look like none of you. The child that was hurt is this color. You, that is, you, are, the, the, you are the director of this program. You are this color. The mother of that child and the father, they are that color. So all of you are, all of you are racist against my child because my child does not look like you to try to kick my child out of the program. And I looked at her. I said, you can't pull that racist card on me. It's not going to work because everything I do is documented. Your child was hurting other children. And this is how we deal with it. It does not matter if it is your child that is hurt. If it is another child from that same way that did what your child did to him, it's going to be released and it will be taken out of the program. That is the rule. Oh, no, it's a lie. Then I said to her, I said, look at my program. There are more children that don't look like me in my program. 
than look like me. So don't pull that race card on me. So why did I bring this up as a practical example? You know, somebody like that, if she goes down to tell in another place, say, oh, they take my child out of this program because this and this and that, and they're racist. So it is not every behavior, it is not every criticism, it is not every disagreement, it is not everything that boils down to it. We should look at it. For example, when you want to promote people, maybe at your job or they want to elevate people, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying racism does not exist, it does exist. But it has to be proven that the intent is not because someone is not qualified because they don't want the person to get it because they think he doesn't deserve it because of how they look or how they do things or what they say. Racism does exist. But sometimes we are so much shipping this racism discrimination language that has been overused and overflowed. If, for example, you know, somebody wants to, to participate in a particular activity and maybe the policy for which the person, you know, um, the, the, the people that organize the activity is, 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 uh, uh, is already set up and the person who wants to participate in this activity now does not meet that particular, uh, 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 that particular standard and they say, oh, sorry, you cannot be in this because, you know, you didn't meet the requirement. Oh, the reason you don't allow me is because I am this. No, we should, we should not overflow this, you know? So even if in, in the church, oh, they don't allow me to sing in the choir because I don't belong to this. Oh, they don't ordain me because I don't belong to this. Oh, they don't allow me to be this because I... The, the truth is, yes, there could be situations where there are people who are racist. But that does not mean that everything is racist. And that does not mean that when somebody feels like they don't allow me to do something, it's racist. No. It could be for whatever reason. So you as a person should not be too um, sensitive because it's only in that that you can be objective and that you can allow God to heal you. Because if you are too sensitive and everything is all about how somebody looks at me, how somebody relates to me, how somebody says something to me, everywhere you go to, you're always going to say it's racism, it's racism, it's racism. Everything that I don't agree with you that doesn't make you feel comfortable, you're going to say it's racism. So inner healing by the Holy Spirit is my prayer. Anyone listening to this, that the enemy had already inflicted the mind of discrimination and racism, and the devil is using that to manipulate the person's mind and make this person vulnerable and control this person's narrative because he wants to keep the person down and under. I will not allow this person to come out and be objective so he can grow, so that he can enjoy the blessing and the love of God. I pray for just the Holy Spirit to heal this person inside. Because when you are healed on the inside, that you can face reality with yourself. That woman would not face reality with the fact that her 
strong leader and a strong need to learn how to behave and respect other kids so that he will not be hurting other children. But he said, oh, you're all racist because of the color of my child and the other person's color is different and it looks like your own color. So I'm going to pull the racist card. How do you think that woman will be able to help her child to improve? It's never going to improve because it's not been objective. So may the Lord himself breathe healing upon anyone listening to this who has been mad with the with with the glasses, the 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 tint of racism ideology that tends to control every narrative in their life. I pray for healing in the name of Jesus, that they will see the love of Jesus Christ, that they will be objective to examine themselves and know that their value is not what people place on them, but their value is what God places on them that they are special, that it doesn't matter who smiles at you, God is smiling at you. It doesn't matter who says you're down, God says you're lifted. You are, you are seated with Jesus in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. You are blessed of God. You are special to God. You are a child of God. Nobody can push you down because God has lifted you up. And if somebody says no to you, God will say yes to you 10,000 times. You are a blessed person. You are a blessed child of God. And you don't allow no devil to put you down using discrimination and racism to put you in bondage and make you have the victim mentality of vulnerable cause. I speak into your life. And with the blessing of God rest upon you. May the joy of God rest upon you. May you be healed from inside out. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you very much on that. Um that was that was powerful and that was um I don't really have much to say anymore on that. Um there are a couple of more questions that I had, but because of time, because it's already nine fifty six and time has flown by really quick. Um Thank you again for listening to um, Procure Youth Connect Forum. Um, the next upload of this will conclude the conversation on racism. Now, please understand that obviously we can't speak about racism for three weeks and have an, an exhaustive conversation. This is something that will go on and on and on. But for recording purposes, we'll do three episodes of this. But um, I pray that as you, with all the things that are going on in the world, that you allow the spirit of God to lead in those conversations that we don't speak through our emotions. We don't speak through our eyes. What's going on. We allow God to lead the conversations because anytime God leads the conversation, it ends up in reconciliation in, in reconciliation and it ends up in redemption. And that is the goal. God has made us ministers of reconciliation, not ministers of hate. Anyway, I want to thank you again for listening. You can listen to us every Tuesday at 866-313-5666. Thank you and God bless.